0: Good morning, guys. Welcome back to Faith Over Feeling podcast. I hope you're having an amazing week. And I'm glad you tuned in today because I believe God has a word for us. So today I'm going to be sharing from Acts chapter 9, verse 4 and 5. And it says, He fell to the ground and had a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? He asked. Before I get right into it, let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for this day. We honor you because you're good, you are great, you are awesome. You're the God that who was, who is, and forever will be. You never change, you never leave us, you never forsake us. As we share your word, may you be with us. Give us the mind of Christ to be able to understand whatever that you're trying to tell us. Let our hearts be able to receive your word. Remove anything that is in us that is not like you because we want to be more like you, Lord in Jesus name we pray. Amen. So the topic of this message is take the L. And by that I mean take God as your Lord. Because most of us know Jesus is our Lord and Savior. But most of the time we lean on one side. We lean on the saving side and we forget about the Lord. And to explain more about it, I'm going to talk about the landlord we all know who a landlord is is the person who is in charge of the house and so you you get to go to him and he saves you because you don't have a house at the moment and so he provides a house for you so he saves you and when you get into the house it's now yours but actually not really yours because you are still under his um authority and laws and so when i'm in school the landlord of the the place where I stay at, he always says, um, when it gets to 10 p.m., you should be in your hostel. It doesn't matter if I'm 18 years old and above, I'm 20 years. It doesn't matter if I paid for the whole semester. But because he is still the landlord, I'm still under his... His care and laws, I have to follow, I have to abide with the rules. You see, it's one thing to love someone who saves you, but it's another thing to allow the person to actually lead you, to actually guide you. And it's easy for someone to enjoy being served, but... um, The humbleness you have to have to be able to allow someone to lead you is on another level. And God wants that for us. He doesn't want only to save you. He wants you to allow him to be the Lord of your life. That means whatever he says you should do, whatever he commands, you are able to do it because you know that God is the Lord of your life. And so we see in Philippians chapter 3, a book that Paul wrote. He was explaining how um, he was an Israelite and Yeah, he knew God, he knew the laws, he knew every religious practice. But that also did not mean that he actually knew God. Because he was persecuting Christians. He thought that he was doing something for God, but he actually was doing it in a wrong way. And you see, the question he asked here got me thinking a lot. Because he's asking, who are you, Lord? And I was like, what is Paul asking? I mean, you're talking to God and then you're asking, who are you, Lord? I mean, his question was exposing him in a kind of way that he knew God he had about God but he didn't really know God he didn't encounter God's grace and so God intentionally um interrupted his world God upset his world turned his world upside down to be able to give him that exposure that experience so that he may be able to preach um the gospel with the heart posture that is connected to God. Because sometimes we may be wanting something, we may be doing something, but the heart posture is not connected to God. And so God interrupted his world, his life, everything, his religious practices, all his beliefs, to be able to get his heart. And we know that it's not um, enough to hear about him because we know um, Paul knew who God is. But it's not, a, it's not enough. It's not enough that my mom knows. It's not enough that I hear my preacher talk about God. Do I? Do I have a personal relationship with God? Do I know Him? How much do I know? Um, am I letting Him be in control of my life? Not only saving, but actually allowing Him to be Lord. Whatever He saves, am I doing it? Am I trying to do it? And that is so powerful because we learn that whatever we hear around is not enough. We need to have the posture that we are eager. I pray that God helps us to be eager. Like you have that passion to just know who he is and what he does in your life is not enough. It doesn't matter if he doesn't change any situation in your life. It doesn't matter if you don't get rich, if you don't get that goal. But um, you wanting just to dive deeper and deeper and knowing who God is because the moment you get to understand who God is and how much he loves you and get yourself drowned in his love your life will never be the same again and so my other book I'm gonna be sharing from John chapter 2 and i'm gonna be sharing from the story of the first miracle that jesus performed and we all know he turned water into wine in Cana. and i'm gonna be starting from verse 4 and it says you must not tell me what to do jesus replied my time has not yet come here the mom had told him All had requested him to just do a miracle because the wine was over and people were getting um, upset or something. You know, it's so embarrassing to go to a wedding and then the food is finished. So Jesus had to perform something. And Jesus says, my time has not yet come. And when you read through it, we see that Jesus actually performs the miracle even though he says his time has not yet come. And I'm like, okay, you've said your time has not yet come. And why are you performing it? Why are you doing it? Why are you doing something that um, you've said that the time has not yet reached? And this is because it wasn't his time. It was our time for us to see his glory, for us to see his wonders so that we may be able to believe. Because in the last verses... In verse 11 it says Jesus performed his first miracle in Cana in Galilee. There he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So it wasn't his time. His time will come when he um, is supposed to die on the cross for us to pay for our sins. But this was our time for us to see God's glory through his miracles so that we may be able to believe. So what Jesus was actually saying It's not my time, but it's your time. So I'm going to do the miracle. But I hope you see God through it so that you may be able to believe. And I'm going to be taking you through various groups of the people in the world. So we see it's um, a wedding and the wine is over. And Mary says, do what Jesus asks you to do. So I'm going to be reading from verse 7. And it says, Jesus said to the servants, fill this jars with water. They filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some water out and take it to the man in charge of the feast. They took him the water, which now had turned into wine, and he tasted it. He did not know where his this wine had come from. But of course, the servants who had drawn out the water knew. So he called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone else serves the best wine first. And after the guests guests have had plenty to drink, he serves the ordinary wine. But you have kept the best wine until now. So there's this group of people who they don't know where the wine comes from. I mean, they don't know where the miracle comes from, but they actually enjoy it. Because these people enjoyed the wine. They maybe even got drunk with the wine. So God performed a miracle, but they were so lost in the miracle that they did not see God through the miracle. And so they were not able to believe. They were not able to receive God in their hearts. And the other group of people is the people who actually saw God. He saw Jesus perform the miracle. He knew that Jesus did it but he was not also able to receive God in their hearts. and this reminds me of the parable of the sawer. Because sometimes we will see God move, but maybe there are things in our hearts that are hindering us from actually receiving God in our hearts. God will perform miracles right in front of you, but you won't be able to see them. Things will pass you by, you'll start complaining, you'll start saying God has left you, but maybe there are things that are blocking your sight. Maybe it's pain. Maybe it's disappointment. Maybe it's too much expectations of a way that God will come through in your life that is actually a limitation. Because expecting something is not a bad thing. But letting the expectation be a limitation in your life of how God will come through is a bad thing. And so some of us maybe have several things in our hearts that are hindering the seed of the word of God to be planted in our hearts. God is trying all um, the way to get you to see his glory but you can't see it because your eyes and your heart are so um, blindfolded folded. and sometimes god even uses people to get to us but maybe someone broke your heart and that one person person's experience is changing how you treat and see everybody else and now god can't get to you so Before I even continue, I want to just pray that God breaks those barriers in your heart. Whatever it is, if it's pain, if it's expectation, I know they hurt you, I know they broke you, I know they lied to you, but you need to let God heal you so that he may be able to get to you because the same way that The devil uses people to break you the same way that God will use people to bless you. And you won't be able to receive the blessing if you keep holding on to the past. Don't let your past be controlling your now. Whatever happened, happened. You can't stop it, but learn from it and heal from it and allow God to bring other people in your life who will be able to change your life for good. And so the verse 11 says that, yeah jesus performed the miracle and to reveal his glory and the disciples believed and i was like in a wedding of maybe a thousand people why only the disciples believe because the the bible does not say jesus performed the first miracle so that the disciples believe the bible says jesus performed the miracle to reveal his glory But only the disciples believe. I mean, that was so shocking for me. Like, sometimes God may be moving in our lives. And it doesn't have to mean that you are not saved. You may be saved. But there is an area in your life that you're not allowing God to touch. It may be the failures, the past, your pain, the depression that is trying to hold you down. You're trying to just do it. Your way and God is the way. The Bible says um, he's the way, the truth, and the life. So God needs you to get tired so that he may be able to have his way in your life. It may be your finances. It may be your job. It may be your family. There's always that aspect in our life that we try to be the God. It may be your relationships. As in, you just have to sit down and think Of the area in your life that you're not allowing God to be the Lord of your life. And just surrender to God and say, God, I've done it my way, but I can't do this anymore. I allow you to take over and be the Lord of my life in this area of my life. And you'll see that God will transform you. And yeah, the people around you will be able even to eat from the fruits that may be brought forth. When you surrender to God. And sometimes you may get too comfortable in being served. That you don't allow God to be the Lord of your life. Because he wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He wants you to follow his ways and not your ways. He wants you um, to be that person who says yes God I'm listening. But because you are too comfortable in being saved, You won't let him to be the Lord of your life. Maybe some of us are like, uh, God will save me, so let me do it my way, and then I'll just come back and repent, and he'll save me. But God does not want to be in that kind of a relationship. It's okay, it's true, God saves, but you don't have to be hard to allow God to be the Lord of your life. You don't have to go through all those hardships, then come back later on broken, crying, and just messed up to allow God to work. On you, you can just make that decision now. You don't have to go through all those troubles, those pains, those heartache. Um, people just not using you well. Um, people making fun of you. You don't have to put up with all of those cycles. You just have to say, "I'm surrendering now. I'm giving you my all." When I um, giving you my life means giving. You every part of it. Even the parts that I feel I'm good. I don't need God. You actually need God. So as I come to an end, I pray that we may come to that level of maturity, spiritual maturity, where we'll say that I don't want you only to serve me, but I want you to be the Lord of my life. Whatever you say, God, I will do. Let us have the heart of Simon Peter. Because he almost missed his breakthrough when Jesus came to him. But he said, if you say so, Lord. And that changed everything, every aspect of his life. So I pray that even as we come to the end of the week, we may get to a point where I will say, if you say God. If you say so, God, I will do it. If you say so, God, I will do it. And you will be surprised what God will do. With your obedience. Because the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. The moment you just let go and let God be the Lord of your life. I promise you that things will be able to change for you for the better. So I pray that you may have an amazing weekend. And see you next time. Toodles. Till next time.